This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. That uh, we are uh, comfortable with moving forward on an NHL hub in uh, one of three Canadian cities that are asking for it. Obviously, the decision needs to be made uh, by the NHL and the, the uh, cities and provinces in, uh, in the jurisdiction. But uh, Canada is uh, open to it as long as it is okay by the local health authorities. So that eliminates the federal government from making the decision on the 14-day quarantine. So he's going to leave that up to the uh, municipal and provincial health authorities uh, on that. And we know what the Alberta government feels about the 14-day quarantine, that uh, Jason Kennedy, the premier of the province, has said all along that they can create a a safe situation here in Edmonton where you wouldn't be required to... uh, do that 14-day quarantine, and yet you still would be protected. So Edmonton is still in the mix to be a hub city. Toronto and Vancouver also in the mix for a Canadian hub city. Who uh, The NHL, when will they announce this? Probably next week. There's a possibility late this week, but it sounds like it'll be next week. And there's a lot of speculation that Vegas is definitely going to be one of the hub cities. Although now we learned today that Chicago has come into the mix as well so big news in the uh, nhl today the buffalo sabers fire another general manager jason botterell in a dramatic change of course three weeks after co-owner kim pagula said the job was secure under uh, the reign of terry and kim pagula nine years six head coaches four presidents three general managers how many playoff appearances ladies and gentlemen zero zero there you go. A couple of oil kings uh, added to the or named to the uh, virtual summer camp for the Canadian World Junior Hockey Championships, uh, which will be held uh, in well scheduled to be held in Edmonton and in Red Deer. Matthew Robertson, defenseman of the Edmonton Oil Kings, we'll hear from him later on in the hour. Also, Sebastian Kosa, the goaltender who set a rookie record for wins by a goaltender uh, in Oil King history with uh, twenty one. Uh, the NBA says. If you want to opt out of our return to play protocol, you have until July 24th to do so. And there's been a group of players that have said, I don't know if we should play or not. And then there's the matter of, this, of the Canadian Football League, who is, uh, I guess you would call it, I wouldn't call it pause. They're delayed uh, in starting the season. They're hoping to do that in September. We don't know if it'll be hub cities. We don't know if it'll be in their own cities. What we do know is that the league is making plans and forgetting a key component of these of the plans, and that is the players. And this has kind of been escalated today because the league has uh, the uh, PA that is has filed a grievance against the league, uh, saying that they are not paying players certain uh, monies that are promised to them and bonuses and things that are kind of away from the contractual stuff. Um, and to talk about that and much more is Ryan King, long snapper of your Edmonton Eskimos, also a member of the executive board of the, of the CFL Players Association. Ryan, nice to have you back on the show. How you doing? Hey, Dave. Uh, doing good. Thanks for having uh, me back on the show. It's good to be uh, at least talking football, but uh, unfortunate times to be talking them. Yeah, no question. And, uh, you know, before we get into the guts of this, uh, 
Man, last Thursday was a bit of a gut punch. Uh, you know, I'm sure, way worse for the players, I'm sure. That was supposed to be the home opener, the season opener against the BC Lions. And it was the first weekend where I think this really hurt a lot. I mean, obviously, when training camps were supposed to open, everyone's excited about that. But when you get the regular season, that's when you really are excited as a football fan. That was a, that was a tough day and a tough weekend. There's no question. And it's... Uh... Players, as, as athletes, you train to start camp and you train to be at the peak conditional form, you know, at certain times. And uh, I know the whole membership, you know, wishes they could be out there. There's no question. And, and personally, myself, it's, uh, it was just those moments. Now I look through pictures and I see people posting. I saw the people tailgating outside on the game. And that stuff is, is, is so cool to see as a, as a community and especially as a member of the Eskimos. And uh, it just made me realize how much I love football. You know, I'm getting older in my career and, Going into my ninth season, and I'll tell you that all I want to do is play football right now. Uh, and it's, uh, I think about it all day long. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's unfortunate we're not playing right now. It's no question. So let's uh, let's uh, bring it to today. And I know over the last uh, few days, it's been a frustrating time for players because, you know, you haven't had any direction from the CFL. You haven't had any communication from the CFL. And I had no idea that this pretty much stems back to when the pandemic started or pretty close to when, uh, you know, back in mid-March. And today we have a grievance that the PA has filed against the CFL. Now, um, I, I kind of outlined it a little bit. I don't know if I'm totally off or right on point here or not, but uh, maybe just if just explain the grievance a little bit further um, and fill in any gaps that I might have missed. For sure, Dave. Um, and just really you're accurate on, on most parts of that the only thing that would change is you know there has been communication it's not like we have been not talking or speaking at all there's just been brief moments of excitement uh, followed by um long sessions of um, not much so that's more on that level um but you know in reality it's the cfl has been making multiple you know unilateral decisions that are having a huge effect on our our membership uh, not only the memberships but our, their families um, you know, and just to get any sorts of clarity. And, and we're working so hard behind the scenes to try to provide support, um, try to provide many angles of resources, um, and, and, and it's just not being received, which is unfortunate. For the three months, we've wanted to work with them through, you know, all the adversity and all of whatever the past uh, relationship um, has struggled with. We, we, our point is, at the PA right now, we're so strong as a union. We've never been this, you know, uh, united as, as a whole from our executive to the player reps to the uh, all the membership and and to me this is could be seen as an advantage to the CFL in these moments where we're trying to work together uh, we can communicate things so efficiently we can get things done and, and we want to work with them uh, but we're running out of time in reality to to discuss these you know critical things that we have to talk on if there's going to be a 2020 season and even for the uh, for the CFL in general um, the communication is lacking to say the least and as a player you want to be able to have and know that your input is at least being listened to um, because it, as we all have in in society and um, we're all in different industries but we all went through hard times but a lot of have been have gone through it differently uh, would be a good way to put it uh, through proper business ethics of uh, communication to, to your employees and that's what our membership's lacking. That's what's frustrating from an executive not being able to answer the questions that they should be able to. Um, and, and it's just having the, the sense of just the old school system of the CFL um, is, it doesn't really work in 2020. And, and again, like I said, we're so strong as a PA right now that, that we're willing to just 
do what's best for the CFL and football and our membership. So, you know, that's kind of a quick brief. Uh, you can dig into any of that, and then I'll touch on the grievance. Um, the grievance is related to something we've been trying. We, we expressed right at the very beginning of COVID-19, and it was about um, non-play uh, bonuses and, and, and not, not involving our base. This is, this is housing money that is uh, off, uh, not in the, the play side of it. So this is stuff that contractually is, has to be paid because our season has not been cancelled or stopped. Um, and the CFL is the one that provided that language. So they have literally uh, delayed the season, which our contracts are still active because of that language. And this is, they, they're due to pay this. This is money our membership expected to have for rent uh, and to help out on bills when it's at the absolute worst possible timing. And this is the decision the CFL made. And it's very unfortunate to uh, have to file a grievance during this time, but um, we are not going to sit back and let this happen. Um, we're, you know, like I said, united and strong and we're willing to stand up right now. And that's what we're doing. Ryan King joins us uh, here on 630 Chet Inside Sports. Dave Gamble in for Reed Wilkins this week. Uh, Ryan Longsnapper of your Edmonton Eskimos, also on the executive board of the CFL Players Association. The last time we had you on the show was about five weeks ago. It was shortly after Randy Ambrosi went in front of the House of Commons Finance Committee. And this is just me saying this. It was a dreadful performance beyond the fact that... Um, Randy showed the passion and the care and the love for the league. But beyond that, it was uh, a pretty empty pitch. And, and we had you on and you, you were very understanding towards the league's position. That's my view. And you understand, you understand, I believe, and still do. That this isn't a normal circumstance. Um, there's a lot to consider. You got contracts that you have to basically, you basically need a COVID CBA. You have to work through that. You have to work through the health and safety. You have to work through, you know, in some respects, the border or maybe more, more, more pressing is the quarantine, the 14 day quarantine. But, you know, and basically when it comes to, you know, I'll tie in the government support here too. To me, it was the players that got this back on the rails and you have this backing of the feds. Where the Fed, and the feds are looking at the league, I think, very closely here. And there's obviously other business that falls in sports and entertainment that are asking for assistance as well. So that puts the government in kind of, you know, and, and they've been doling out a lot of cash and a lot of assistance to a lot of people during this pandemic. Um, but at, at, at this point, you know, we're five weeks later, you still haven't had any, any communication as far as a, a concrete proposal, or not, not communication, but you haven't received a proposal yet. Now, and I believe you're asking for one now because um, it's enough is enough. Um, you know, how do you keep this on the rails and not get overly frustrated because we're going down the same path again, which I never thought we would in a pandemic, and I never thought we would when five weeks ago the message from the league and from Randy Ambrosi, the commissioner, was we want to work with the players, and it's still not happening. Absolutely, and uh, I wrote a couple points on that was we've been asking for the proposal. Uh, we've been acknowledged that we would receive the proposal, we then direct that communication to our membership because it's valuable information to know, and then it gets delayed and or whatever. So that's the issue with the, the proposal side of things. We we're willing to work through any proposal. We fully understand there will be a COVID-19 season. We would hack together any season we possibly can because we know the value of sports has outside of the business. And I think this has been so directly driven on the business aspect, the financial aspect, and 
gate revenue and revenue sharing and all this stuff. But what's being pushed under the rug here is just the value the CFL has in all of the communities. I'm a, a huge ambassador of the community work that, that we do in the communities, and I would love to see any one of the CFL admin side come and stand beside me at a full, full school talk and just to see the reception and how much they listen. And, you know, the membership provides mentorship to, to thousands of kids in their communities. And, and I, when I was growing up in Edmonton, I remember all the people that I grew up watching. And this is the same value that we're, we're disregarding. I think that's where I'm always trying to expose the community value of CFL athletes. And, and that has to be brought into play here. And that's where I'll roll into the Fed side. And because the Feds know this, and there's no question the government knows the impact the CFL has. The CFL is the Canadian game. And there's no way a dysfunctional CFL board is going to allow that to 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 halt or, or stop or, or not move forward uh, we will all collectively work together regardless of our positions and I do believe that we did have to save face of the first attempt to go speak to the government which we very much should have been a part of and would have helped a tremendous amount um, but we have spoken to, to multiple government uh, people we've hired government firms to work with the PA to make sure our message gets out strong, that we are together with the CFL, we are united, we are willing to work through it, and we know our time will come. And, and I still do believe that. Ryan King joins us here on 630 Jet Inside Sports talking about uh, the CFL-CFLPA issues. The PA has uh, filed a grievance against the league uh, and uh, still waiting for a proposal here. I'd love to talk to you about what's been reported through the media about the proposal, but I feel like it's, I'm uncomfortable doing that because all you're hearing this is kind of secondhand, it feels like. Although you're on the executive board, I'm sure you got a little bit more info than maybe other people, but... Uh, uh, but that's probably a percentage point tick up to everyone else, right? But uh, uh, th there was a report today saying that uh, players were getting a survey from, from the league. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, that's accurate. And that's something that we as okay. an executive um, started doing you know, in the last collective bargaining agreement to just a way to truly serve, serve our survey, our membership to get uh, things that we need answers to. And those are things like, would you be willing to play half the season? Would you be willing to be in a hub city? Would you be willing to quarantine? These are all just, just just communication questions. So it's not even a survey of, of uh, details, for example. It's more of just to get the vibe of the membership. And I won't share those results until they're put out, but I can say that it's very collectively together and united on um, the direction that we want to go as the CFLPA. And um, the last step we need is just CFL support to just put this together and there will be messaging that will go when the results of the surveys are released that, that it, you know, the willingness is there um, and the willingness to understand this will be a, a very odd and separate occasion. And then also, you know, the willingness to reopen our collective bargaining agreement and, and review the whole thing. We're, we're open to that. And I don't think other PAs would have been willing, but we're that advanced and, and veteran in the executive roles and all the way down that, that we're okay to do anything that's in the best interest of the CFL which then should include the players. What's the next step here, Ryan, as uh, we go forward here? I know you, you have asked, we saw Solomon Elamimian say today, he's your president uh, of the PA, say we're, we want a proposal. Um, has, as far as you know, has the league responded to that yet or are we just in the wait and see and give us a proposal stage? Well, we've taken the approach of the PA from the very beginning that we're, 
not going to um, participate in the history of the CFL and the CFLPA. We, that's why we went and we got our own resources and we made tremendous uh, movement in, in all aspects. All the communication that's been going is from us. It's not from the CFL. In theory, uh, the, the two announcements of the CFL is made have both been off of government regulations. And I understand that that's what we're following, but also uh, uh, some leadership um, announcements are, would go a long way. Um, the sense of hope has been put out there. And I think it's important in the initial stage of this to show there will be hope of sports, but then on the reverse, now it has a, the, the opposite effect in regards to now our membership needs to know, okay, well, I need to know, do I working now actually, or am I going to start training again because we're going to play football in a, a month and a half? So those are all very important things that we have to have direction on um, as soon as humanly possible. And we're somewhat uh, committed to um, being more patient, but uh, this is why we're getting this messaging out is that uh, it's important that uh, everyone knows our position, that we're willing to work with, with everyone involved, and um, we need the CFL to stand, step up. Ryan, as always, we appreciate your time. I know we'll keep in touch, and uh, we'll have you on uh, down the road, and hopefully the next time we have you on, we're talking about getting closer to getting back on the field. So uh, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Stay safe out there, okay? Absolutely, Dave. Thanks for having me on the show. Ryan King, Eskimos long snapper, also on the executive board of the CFL. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Players Association, back in a moment. All right, again, we thank Ryan King joining us tonight to give us an update from the CFLPA. And again, the uh, PA has filed a grievance against the uh, Canadian Football League, and unfortunately, that's, uh, that's where it's going. Uh, right now, uh, but this is separate from the talks. This is uh, on the league's refusal to honor payments to players that are outside of their base salary. And the union has also said, give us a proposal, please. But the PA is going to do their own work as well, as Ryan King said, and they're not dependent on the uh, CFL solely. Obviously they are, they're, they work hand in hand, but uh, they're going to do their own work and hopefully come together with the league at some point and we'll be ready to to play ball, but you can uh, text in at 630-630. No, you can text in at 780-496-0063. Uh, went retro there for a second on the text line. You can also call in at uh, 780-496-0063. Dave Campbell broadcasting live from his palatial basement studio from his house in for Reed Wilkins this week on Inside Sports. This week, it's Dave Campbell in for Reed, Reed Wilkins for the rest of this week. Back on Monday is Reed, when we anticipate he will sign on at 6.05. Yes, inside sports, going back to a two-hour uh, format. But I'll, I'll put it in a pandemic term. That's the plan, because we're in a pandemic. COVID-19, still here. Numbers are looking, you know, better. A little bit of an uptick in Edmonton, so please, everyone, do what you need to do, okay? Take care of each other out there. 
um, help each other out so we can get the numbers back down, but we're doing pretty good overall. So we anticipate a two hour show or return of the two hour format on Monday at 6.05 with Reed returning to the big chair in his comfy upstairs studio where my studio's Kellen Kennedy back at Jet mm-hmm. Central there. Um, I'm in the basement right now. So um, you could say I'm in my doghouse too. There is nothing wrong with broadcasting from your basement. I do that all the Absolutely time when I'm not, not here. So <laughs> the only worry I have is uh, to make sure my internet will uh, be okay. It won't be one of those days where it's uh, you know I, I have trouble with the I signal. I feel yeah, yeah, yeah. The Wi-Fi. Man, exactly. and, and I get I get a little nervous about that, but it's uh, what we're one and a half show in, and we're doing so good. We're, so far, we're, so we're, good. We're doing very good. You bet. Now the Oilers all-time All-Star results. We're mm-hmm. revealing them this week. Last week you voted. And we thank you very much for that. Glenn Saylor was revealed as the all-time head coach. We got the goalies tonight, Kellen. And uh, no surprise, top goalie, 45% of the vote, Grant Fiore. No mm-hmm. surprise at all. Hall of Famer? Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jersey retired, uh, too? His four, yeah, 403 career NHL wins, 226 of them were with the Oilers. Now, the big debate, Kellen, was who's who's the backup to, to Fierzy? Mm-hmm. And I voted Andy Moog, which shows you how old I am. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But who won? Bill Ranford. Bill Ranford, 19% of the vote. And he just edged out the guy that you picked. Curtis Joseph, yeah, with 18% of the vote. So 1% uh, out of 55,000 votes that were cast. That's the astonishing number, Davey, is 55,000 votes uh, casted in this poll uh over the past week and uh yeah only one percent at the end of the day separating uh ranford from joseph and yeah it's actually pretty uh poetic that that's the way it is because uh once ranford uh, got dealt away in 96 joseph cujo was the guy i believe yeah you're correct yeah and i believe joseph was traded to the oilers in the summer and then held out but then came aboard halfway through the season and, yep. uh, you know, like we're not, and I think it was during the 95, 96 season, if I'm correct. And then that's when, then the next two years, the Oilers had two upset wins in the first round over Dallas and Colorado respectively. And then unfortunately can't afford to keep Cujo. So that's just the way it goes. And yeah. The one, I remember. Yeah. The, I should just say quickly the one year my dad yeah. had season tickets for the Oilers, 1995, 1996. So I just missed out <laughs> on the playoffs and everything. They were just building up all the momentum, but I got to see, I guess, Wait and Arnett and uh, Cujo yeah. and those guys before they were big. I also got to see Zdeno Seeger, who remains to me to this day, one of my favorite all time Oilers just because for no apparent reason. I, I just like Yeah, him. I agree. I, w- I was a Zidane Seeger fan myself. I thought he was a very talented player and a very uh, very good goal scorer and a good playmaker as well. So there you go. We got uh, Grant Fjord, uh 45% of the vote. Bill Ranford, 19% of the vote. Those two are your Edmonton Oilers all-time all-star goalies as voted by you. To mention, you can text or call 780-496-0063. Kimberly did that. Hey, Kimberly, thanks for holding on. Hi, you guys. I'm really happy to be on the show. I'm I'm sorry you're all in your basements, though. I'd like to That's know why it, it is that, and and I and I don't want to be rude because I've been privileged enough to know a lot of the Oilers and the Eskimos during the '80s, the '90s, etc. And I don't see how the hockey players could qualify for 
aid, but I believe that the football players desperately need aid. I, I know Yeah, a lot the of hockey people... players are not asking for aid. Oh, the good. hockey players okay, are not so at, the NHL is not asking for aid. Well, us girls from the north side, we didn't know that. And so we're really yeah, happy so there you to go. that. <laughs> yeah. No, the CFL is cuz uh, the NHL compared to the CFL, the NHL different. has other forms of revenue. Yeah, they have other forms of revenue that that uh, they can rely on, and that's why they want to play because they want to cash in on the TV revenue. Where the uh, the league does have a TV contract, but it's not as obviously as it's nowhere near that's as rich right. as the NHL deal. So yeah. they they really rely on bums in the seats. It's close to two thirds of their revenue. So that's why it, it would cost the league a lot of money if they didn't play compared to if they played, even though they would be limited in having fans in the building or having no fans in the building. I hear that. Thank you very much. Have a good you day, you, gentlemen. Kimberly. Appreciate it. Thank you very much for calling. Uh, here's a text at uh, 780-496-0063. You can text or call me on this, uh, on this particular number. I thought Randy Ambrosi, being a former player, would have the players right up to date on everything. Uh, you think, and look, I know Randy Ambrosi gets a lot of the flack. Um, and I think it's just simply, he represents the board of governors. He represents the CFL from a governor ownership level. So he's not calling all the shots here. You know, he's helping to orchestrate the plan with the board of governors. The problem is, and I think this has a lot to do with it, and Ryan King referenced it, and I think it's been pretty much common knowledge if you've been listening and, 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 and watching the, you know, what people have been reporting that cover the league is there seems to be some infighting within the Board of Governors because they can't decide whether they want to play or not. And even though the, the league would stand to lose more money if they didn't play compared to playing, and they wouldn't make obviously the money that they would like to make during a normal year when they could fill stadiums and rely on that gate revenue. Um, I think you look at a, and I, I don't know who exactly is saying, I don't know who at all, to be honest with you, who's saying I'd rather not play, but let, let's look at it. You have three teams that are struggling. The Toronto Argos, the Montreal Alouettes, and the BC Lions, who are the biggest problem in the league. Everyone says Toronto, but but the Lions are. Uh, definitely the biggest uh, problem in the league right now as far as attendance goes. And I believe, though, they want to play. Now, do the Alouettes and the Argos want to play? I don't know. Are there other teams in the league? All the community-owned teams want to play. The Eskimos want to play. The Ar the uh, Bombers want to play. Defending Grey Cup champions and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders want to play. So what does that leave you with? It leaves you the Calgary Stampeders, the Hamilton Tiger Cats, and the Ottawa Red Blacks. Now, if you look at the teams that are really struggling, I'll just use Toronto for an example because they're the easiest, easiest example to use. Um, you could make an argument that they would say, you know, we might save money by not playing because we don't have to spend money on a staff. We don't have to spend money on marketing and ticketing and things like that and then struggle at the gate and lose money. You know, I, I'm just throwing that as an example. But, you know, I'll tell you what, it, it's, it's a frustrating ordeal when you have a league that thinks so archaically. And I don't necessarily blame everything on Randy Ambrosi. I, I don't blame everything on him. I will blame him for having terrible messaging at times. 
when you go back to last week and he said, we've exchanged several ideas with the players. You haven't exchanged anything with the players because your board, or your, your group hasn't talked to the players. And as Ryan King mentioned, he said, you know, it's not like we're not communicating, but we're not getting into the guts of the issues right now. We're not getting into the proposal stage. We're not getting into the return to play protocol. The NHL, the NBA have return to play protocols. The NFL has one. MLB's broken. Major League Baseball may not play and no one would really care. That's probably my personal opinion of that right now. <laughs> and it's sad to say that because, you know, baseball at its peak, it's pretty good. But here's the CFL board of governors who are dragging their feet, humming and hawing, oh, should we play or shouldn't we play? And they're not including the players into this. And in normal negotiations for a labor agreement, and every league basically needs a new temporary labor agreement, a COVID CBA, a COVID labor agreement. In those fights, you have billionaires fighting against millionaires. Well, in the CFL, you have a lot of billionaires and some millionaires fighting against players that very few make great money. You know, the Mike Rileys of the world are very small. There's not many people within that realm making the big money. Quarterbacks are making good money. You have the odd skill position player that's making good money. And then the rest of it, it just kind of, you have this middle ground. And then you got this, you know, the average salary is about $80,000. Okay. And then you got the minimum salary that's $65,000. So the playing field is so uneven. However, unlike past CFL players associations, this current one has major backing. They have the backing of sponsorship. They have the backing of business. They have the backing now of the federal government. And that is where the help will go first for federal assistance. It will go to the players. There will not be a big check in nine owners' bank accounts or nine teams' bank accounts. Not happening. They're going to have to find a creative way to create the assistance, to create the, the, uh, the help. And that's what the federal government is trying to do is a lot of the government programs that they want to talk about haven't been created yet. But also the league is looking, or the feds are looking at the league and going, we're watching you, and we have 100% support or backing of the players. We want, we are in the player's corner. Can this be fixed? I hope so. But here's my fear, is that the archaic thinking of the Board of Governors of the Canadian Football League are just going to do what they do in the past. Here's the deal. Here's the proposal. Bang, on the table. You have one week, 72 hours, whatever it is to accept it, or we're not playing. Uh, they can't do that anymore, but it doesn't mean they're going to try. It's just unfortunate that this league can't get their head out of their butt and understand that this is a partnership. It should be a partnership. And you look also, I'll just add another quick layer to this or another layer to this. The coach's salary cap or the football operations cap is being dropped from 2.59 million to 2 million. Thankfully, the number of staff won't change. So it's still 11 for coaching staffs, 14 for football operations. So 25. But that's a 20% cut. And now the CFLPA is basically picking up the slack for the coaches because they don't have a union. So the league has to reinvent himself. The league has to rethink their model of revenue and how they collect it. And for once and for all, the archaic thinking has to stop because this league goes beyond them.
you know what? The owners are a vital piece to this league. The, the governors are, but we want to see football on the field and we want to see the players thriving and we're not seeing that enough. So CFL, get it together and let's hope we get a season. We're going to switch gears coming up. Matthew Robertson. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. The Edmonton Oil Kings is coming up here on Inside Sports. potential COVID-19 vaccine. A doctor will talk about the pressure to find one tomorrow morning at 6.05 on 6.30 Ched Mornings with Chelsea and Shay. We're pleased to uh, welcome in to Inside Sports from the Edmonton Oil Kings defenseman Matthew Robertson. Matthew, thank you very much for coming on the show. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, tell me uh, just uh, how you and the family are doing. Uh, I know you're from the area. I imagine you're still around in the area. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm in Sherwood Park right now, and uh, some facilities just kind of opened up right now. Just started my training, and my family and I are doing really good right now. Just staying healthy and just plugging away right now during these crazy times. What's that like right now? You said the facilities open up, so you're going in and getting some some uh, workouts in. Uh, what's what's that been like right now to kind of just get started with preparing for? Uh, Hopefully, we will see a WHL season coming up, and 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 every hockey season is back in the fall. Yeah, yeah, hopefully, and uh, yeah. So the last few months, I've been training just in my gym, my yard. But uh, just this week, it opened up, and I've been training uh, my gym, and uh, it's been going good. And also, I've just I've been skating at the River Cree right now as well, and I mean, it feels good to just get back on the ice, and yeah, it feels almost weird just getting on the ice after not being on the ice for three months. But yeah, it's been good. Three months, like three months, is a long, long time. I mean, when you have a Christmas break, for example, you're off, you're off skates for about what week, ten days. That's that's too long. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> that's the longest I've ever been off the ice, I believe. And yeah, I went on the ice the first time, and oh, it felt weird. Let me tell you. So today, you and uh, Sebastian Kosa are among 41 players invited to the Hockey Canada Virtual World Junior Hockey Summer Development Camp. Uh, it's going to be different because it's it's all virtual. But uh, tell me about this uh, this honor. Yeah, it's, I mean it's a huge honor whenever you're named to anything related to Hockey Canada, and I mean it's it's a huge honor. I'm really looking forward to it, and um, I've represented Canada Canada before with the U18s, U17s, and. I mean, each step up is a is a bigger representation, a bigger honor, and I'm just really excited and looking forward to it. So you, you'll be a good asset for Sebastian because uh, you've been there in the Hockey Canada program. You can help out the young rookie out. Yeah, yeah, and I've actually been skating with him as well and just talking to him about it. Yeah, so it'll be on Zoom, and yeah, I'm looking forward to it a lot. So when we talk about virtual workouts, I mean, we've heard – this in the NFL that they've had virtual workouts, but for you specifically, what do you expect these workouts to entail? Like you say, it's all through zoom, but, but what is a virtual workout going to entail? 
Um, honestly, I'm not too sure yet. Um, they said they're going to be releasing some more details as it goes on, but I'm honestly not yeah. too sure what to expect fully right now. So kind of more like classroom work, I guess, or just going to get in the philosophies down from the coaching staff or expectations, I guess? Yeah, I think a little bit of that. And also just kind of meeting the guys, meeting the, player, or meeting the players and meeting the coaching staff as well and just kind of bonding a bit. Matthew Robertson, defenseman of the Edmonton Oil Kings, joining us here on 630 Chat Inside Sports. Uh, you just completed your third season. Unfortunately, it had to end uh, way sooner than it should when you had a chance to, you know, let's just, let's just say you go all the way to the Memorial Cup and win the darn thing, but uh, everything's derailed because of the COVID-19 pandemic. But uh, 13 goals, 34 assists, 47 points in 60 games. Uh, tell me about your game, your season, and just how you feel you've improved. Um, yeah, so our season went really good. Um, we took big strides from last year. I mean, we had a really good second half last year as a team, and I think this year we started off pretty good and continued out throughout the whole season. And obviously, had a really good, really good season as a team. And I think we had a chance to go all the way. And we had a really strong team, but unfortunately, the way it happened, we didn't get to. But I think everyone was a little pissed about that. But the biggest thing is kind of the health of everyone. So. But I thought my game was pretty good. And, uh, I thought it started. I thought I started a little slow, but as the season went on, I thought I picked it up. I thought the second half was really where I took some strides in my game. Maybe a quick word on uh, Sebastian Cosa. You mentioned you're working out with him, but he had a good rookie season uh, with uh, with 21 wins. His goals against average was was pretty good at uh, 2.23. His save percentage, wow, 9.21. That that is impressive. Uh, what do you like about Sebastian and the confidence that he brings to the hockey club? Yeah, I mean, he was huge for us this year. I mean, ste stepping in as a first year in the league, I mean, I think he did a really good job. Especially, I mean, it's not easy coming in as your first year in the league, just getting into the, into the routine of the WHL schedule and the travel and everything. But I think he handled it really well. And, I mean, he's a great guy in the dressing room. And I think on the ice, he showed everyone and just how good he is and the potential he has to be, how just to be how good he is and how far he can go with hockey. Matthew, thanks for your time here tonight on 630 Chet Inside Sports. Congratulations on being named one of the 41 members uh, that are going to the uh, Hockey Canada Virtual Summer Camp for the world, upcoming World Juniors. And uh, yeah, all the best with the training. Uh, stay healthy and safe, okay? Uh, thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. The uh, virtual development camp will run from July 27th to 31st. Now the uh, 2021 World Juniors, remember, Edmonton and Red Deer are still scheduled to be the hosts. And uh, we don't know what the fate of that tournament will be yet. That decision should be coming down sometime in August. You can text at 630. Or, I did it again. Looney. Ding. There you go. That's $2 tonight. I know. That's a, that's a easy $2. Candy from a baby from Campbell tonight. 780-496-0063. Jay Bueller ask <laughs> are the cfl governors collecting a salary good question i believe they are i believe they are yep um if they if they're not they haven't told anyone that might be a good pr move to say if any governor is not collecting a salary or, or cutting their salary that might be good pr uh a significant happening today i think from the federal government is justin trudeau throwing his support behind a canadian city to host uh postseason nhl hockey to be a hub city and says it'll be left up to the individual, municipal, and provincial health authorities. So that is, I think, good news, because that takes a layer away from the feds. 
and that puts it on the federal or on the provincial side and the municipal side. Edmonton is rumored to be a hub city or in the mix to be a hub city. Also Vancouver and Toronto in the mix as well. Jason Botterill fired from the Buffalo Sabres. Nine years under the Pagulas. I'll read it again. Six head coaches, four presidents, three GMs, no playoff appearances. Back for another hour tomorrow, 6.30, Chet Inside Sports at 7.05. Dave Campbell in for Reed Wilkins for studio producer Kellen Kennedy. My name is Dave Campbell. Adler's up next. Time for me to go upstairs, tuck in the kids, kiss them goodnight. But I can guarantee- 6.30, Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30, Chad.